Hello, everybody. We are back with episode 80 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. We are almost at the end of May. It is a scorcher here in the Midwest, but we're going to keep things on the cool with some great art content for you today. And as always, I'm joined by my awesome and busy co-host, Mike Thomas. Mike, what you up to today? I am trying to stay cool here on the East Coast as well, Eric, and excited to dive into a couple highlights tonight. Yeah, we got a short and sweet episode coming up for you. And my big thanks to our curator this week, Batul Amarzarak, and also from all of you in the art community and the podcast listening out there for your contributions and poll requests. We greatly appreciate it. So let's not dive and wait any longer. Let's dive into our content for today. We are fortunate, as you see in every issue of our weekly, that we get many different resources that are constructed in many different ways. Now, for those that have heard me before, you could say that I'm a bit biased towards a particular way of delivering content of the audio and video flavor. And one of the biggest aha moments I had, I would say about two years ago, not too dissimilar to the time that the pandemic started, is when I saw some well-respected members of the data science and tech communities at large begin sharing their content via interactive screencasts on demand, and even more daring people would do live streams of their explorations. And from the R side of things, one of those that really pioneered this approach is David Robinson. He is already a very accomplished member of the R community. You've likely seen his work in numerous places from his earlier days of Stack Overflow, co-authoring books with Julia Silge, and much more. And for almost four years now, which I can't believe it's been that long, David has recorded his analysis of the weekly data sets that are released as part of the Tidy Tuesday initiative. And I don't mean just simply record, say, a pre-planned tutorial that had everything all kind of laid out, polished, ready to go. He would record his entire analytical and design thought process as he would look at these data sets for the first time as he's recording the content. So you get this really authentic look at David's approach and how he covered his analyses from an EDA perspective, maybe a modeling perspective, using a huge variety of techniques within the data science workflow. He would often use a mix of tidyverse-related packages amongst many others in the R ecosystem. Now, of course, all these recordings are available on David's YouTube channel. That's already a huge win for us in the community that want to kind of see how David approached these issues. But much of my pleasant surprise, an effort that started just before the pandemic that led by Eric Fletcher and Alex Cookson, they launched a great initiative to actually review all of David's Tidy Tuesday screencasts that were out there on YouTube and actually add timestamps and markers to the various areas in each video where they would implement, where he would implement different analyses. In essence, kind of like in the podcast world, if we had, say, chapter markers for various topics we cover, so you could quickly skip to the one you want. But this is um, an amazing, an amazing addition here because. In each video that David produces, he covers so many different, you know, innovative ways that he looks at these data sets, how he performs these machine learning models and everything like that. 
And the icing on the cake, on top of just having these timestamps available, is that the architect of the big book of R, Oscar Barufa, who's been featured on previous Hotlights podcasts, he has consolidated all the direct links in each of these videos and their associated timestamps into a clean and polished website at rscreencast.com. Easy domain to remember. And it was built with, wait for it, Quarto, which has been a hot topic lately as well. So this is, like I said, an amazing resource where now on top of just having these videos available, if you're interested in seeing how David approaches maybe a text-based analysis or how he leveraged ggplot2 to visualize the distribution of outcomes, this website is going to be able to point you directly at those segments. And that's just a really inspiring and frankly, a time-saving way for you in the community to discover what you'd like to learn from David's already immensely fun and enjoyable learning adventures with these Tidy Tuesday analyses. Frankly, it's something I should probably be doing, but it does take a, a lot of human effort to do these. So again, my huge thanks to Eric and Alex for taking this on. And my hope is that that spurns on, you know, maybe future efforts in these mediums as well to make this content even more accessible and even more, you might say, searchable to the content you're looking for. So yeah, Mike, um, I know I have more homework to do for my various media productions after this, but have you been a fan of what David's been doing on his uh, screencast and everything? Definitely. And Eric, you do a great job of adding timestamps and chapter markers to, to your videos. And I imagine it has to be a ton of effort, but it is huge for us as consumers to be able to navigate to the parts of the video that we need or, or that we're most interested in at that point in time. What's incredible to me is on this R Screencast Quarto website, uh, the search bar that they have even extends to the timestamps of these videos. So if the timestamp had a particular title, you can actually search on the website for a keyword and it'll point you to the particular timestamp of that particular video um, that containing that, that, that keyword, which is pretty incredible and just makes it very easy to get to the content that you want quickly. I remember watching David, uh, I think his nickname on Sliced was D-Rob. Oh, yeah. But he, he would participate in, in a couple episodes of that Sliced ML competition last year. Mm -hmm. And I just got blown away by the Tidyverse clinic that he put on display. Um, the video content is some of my favorite content to consume when I'm, I'm trying to learn. Because you not only get to watch the presenter write and execute the code, but often you also get to hear their mindset behind the code that they're writing and really get to understand the why when it comes to the choices that they made. And that was one really cool aspect about Slice. It, it was fast, um, but you had the ability to, to both hear the uh, person writing the code narrate their thoughts in real time as they put it down on the keyboard. I would argue that David is the king of EDA mm. in R, exploratory data analysis. He seems to know every nook and cranny of dplyr, tidyr, and ggplot. And most of his videos are EDA heavy, but uh, there's also some ML, some survival analysis, uh, some R package development content in there. So chances are that if you are looking for some particular topic that you need to learn about how to do in R, go to the R Screencast website, do a quick little search, and I bet you that David has covered it 
in one of his videos somewhere along the line. Yeah, and, and certainly, again, I, I said it kind of towards the beginning there, but we definitely owe David many, many thanks and gratitude for doing this out in the open like this. And really, in fact, it reminds me of a talk he gave at our studio conf a few years ago about, you know, don't just leave analyses stored on your hard drive somewhere. Share it out with the world, but there are different ways of sharing. You know, obviously, we, we read a lot of great blogs out there. But again, getting inside the mental thought process or him illuminating that to all of us as we're watching this, whether in his screencast just for the Tidy Tuesday analyses or like you said, his immensely entertaining work on Slice, which he did win that season for. Um, he, he is the champ, the reigning defending champ on that. But you could see why with his mastery of EDA. And I remember as I was asked to do a quick EDA on analysis for my friends at work on the uh, high performance computing team, I felt like, oh, I got to get my D-Rob hat on and start turning loose on this data set so I can give them some insights. And it, it is one of those things where if you don't practice it for a bit, it does take a bit of kind of, you know, squeaking the wheels again, so to speak. But I think watching David in action is a great inspiration to get get those juices going again so you're ready ready to turn loose on whatever eda uh, project you'll you'll end up on in the near future um but again i it does take a bit of work to to do this kind of post post um you might say post-production when you do these so oftentimes i'm kind of re-watching my own self for a couple of hours just saying when did i talk about that module when did i talk about that package so Boy, wouldn't it be nice if I had a robot do that for me? But, you know, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take humans now for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those, those Robinsons, they put out put out some great content. They get some smart data scientists in that family. They sure do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if my kids will have any uh, desire to do stats, but, you know, I'll, I'll, maybe I can dream. Who knows? <laughs> Speaking of doing stats and some more uh, very uh, sophisticated analyses, um, our, our last highlight today um, is uh, another step in this huge direction of making a very hot topic in the terms of data analysis a lot more accessible, especially to the our users around the world. So in this day and age, in 2022, we have a wealth of resources available in general for learning all the ins and outs of machine learning and more recently, deep learning. Many of these are geared towards more, I'll say the theoretical foundations of how deep learning works. And then some are definitely more domain specific, oftentimes coded up into Python based examples. And of course, nothing against Python here, but as a longtime R user, I definitely gravitate toward resources that can get me started quickly and have implementations in my comfort zone, of course, R itself. Now, I'm happy to say that after a very successful first edition, I'm excited to see news that a second edition of the highly acclaimed Deep Learning with R textbook is on the way this summer. And one of the new co-authors of the book, Tomas Kolinsky, um, who's also a software engineer at our studio, he has authored a post on the RStudio AI blog that shares more details on the updates one can expect to see in the upcoming second edition. And I actually have the first edition on my bookshelf here. I remember 
it was at that time that was released, it was kind of rare to find an R-specific resource dedicated to implementing deep learning. In fact, they may have been one of the first from what I can remember. So I'm definitely intrigued by what I'm seeing in, and it's highlighted in the second edition, especially as Tomas uh, notes in the blog, some completely revamped chapters on text analysis. This is an area I've kind of watched with great interest, although I haven't practiced it myself yet, because I think there's some really powerful analyses one can do with textual analysis of, say, speech or vocal you know, content. In fact, even a fun project I thought of is getting transcripts from, you guessed it, podcasts and doing some fun analysis on that. And also, um, there's some also great content being revamped from the ground up on doing more textual generation, image generation. But what I'm really happy to see hopefully continue on successfully in this version. It's not about the what, about how to do something. The authors are sharing their insights into like why they choose certain approaches to that analysis. Kind of like what we talked about just now with what Dave is showing in his screencast. A lot of times I definitely gravitate towards content that has the right balance of, yeah, maybe a little theory here and there to get your math juices going, but also practicalities of a real world data set or a real world problem, why you might chose this approach as opposed to another approach. So full credit to JJ Allaire, Francois Cholette, and Tomas for what's looking to be a really awesome second edition of Deep Learning with R. So Mike, are you a deep learning expert chomping at the bits to see what the second edition is all about? I have yet to check out the book and I, I need to. I think that's going to be my next, uh, the next book that I'm going to have to pick up and put on my nightstand. I think it's, it's really important to understand and educate others on where deep learning makes sense and where it doesn't. Agreed. Especially for those who are, are less initiated in this space and maybe sit at, at more like of a managerial or, or less technical position because everything that you're hearing uh, in terms of ads and marketing is deep learning is going to change your industry. It's going to revolutionize your life and uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's so powerful when the problem space is fit for deep learning. Like I think some of the applications in time series forecasting that we've seen in the last few years for deep learning have been incredible. Um, so it's really nice to see a lot of this ported over to R because most of it, I think, originated in, in Python or even other languages. And I know it took a while to make deep learning in R, I think, more lightweight and no longer require some pretty heavy system installs. I think at one point it was even just pretty much translating to Python under the hood, mm -hmm. um, which made it you know less enticing to developers to use R for deep learning. But I think that they've made huge progress in the last few years to, to make it just as easy to do deep learning in R as it is to do in Python. And it's really important, as you said, that um, the authors are walking you through not just the how, but also the why. I've seen a lot of deep learning tutorials that sort of just say, okay, you know, we're going to use this activation function, but we're not necessarily going to tell you why. And they take a lot of different things for granted because there are a lot of moving parts um, to get a deep learning, you know, neural network up and running correctly. And it's, it's sort of it, it's whole genre in and of itself and it's, its area of study. 
So um, awesome that we have more content, more books coming out on it, especially in R, so that folks who are start out in R or who are just more comfortable in R can jump right into deep learning if it's a space that interests them or if they have a particular project where deep learning uh, would be a really good candidate for helping them solve that problem. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed um, reading the bits of the, the first edition that I, I said I had on my bookshelf. And as I get involved in more projects that are going to you know, tax me a little bit more in this space, um, this is an awesome way for me to start. And I'll definitely be interested to learn more about how I can apply this in, in real situations, but not feel like I'm going off in a dead end if I have something that doesn't really give me that practical interpretation of why I'm going to choose this approach or why this particular domain specific function works out. So I'm intrigued by it and I'll be definitely uh, ordering this second edition when it, when it comes out. And if you read the blog, stick around to the end of that blog because there may or may not be a discount code for all of the readers of this blog to order that book. Yeah, the links to that is in the show notes of this episode so you can't miss it along with all the great resources that are shared in every issue of our weekly, such as this issue, of course. And going into some of the other things that caught my attention, um, I'm also pleased speaking to textbooks that in the next uh, couple months, a textbook that I've had great uh, interest in watching develop, and I'm happy to see about released in print, is David Grandjian's Outstanding Shiny User Interfaces is about to hit print. And David's actually been doing a series of Twitter posts recently that's highlighting certain aspects of what you can expect to learn from the book, including a recent tweet where he made what looked like a Winamp clone entirely and shiny. It was amazing to look at, and the techniques that David outlines in the book will get you to be able to design these, well, as the title says, outstanding user interfaces where you put that in front of a client or in front of a customer, and they would have no idea that that's a shiny app. And that can be quite important when you talk about user experience, especially when you get to larger organizations, which I may or may not have thoughts about that I've shared previously. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that in print, and that's going on my bookshelf as soon as it's released. And what did you find this, uh, this issue, Mike, that you wanted to talk about? That's a great find. I found a gist on GitHub from Tom Mock in which he provides a really nice function to put together a data frame of all of the functions in a package and then a second column in that data frame to count the number of arguments that each function has in that package. So really cool um, little gist for anybody out there who thinks that this might be useful to them. The gist is with his package GT Extras, which is a package that I'm currently using on a project right now. So it was was pretty timely to see this come together. So nice job, Tom. I think that's a great addition, especially as those of us are building, whether it's, you know, bigger shiny apps or bigger, you know, machine learning workflows. And we're trying to get a handle on the complexity of different functions we're using these various packages. It's kind of a nice way to get a kind of a status check on how much is being used at at a given time. So I could definitely see augmenting this into my kind of our environment analysis uh, for a given project just to see just how how big these functions can get. But that's a great find for sure. 
yeah, sometimes you take for granted how many arguments that you don't necessarily need to use uh, that are either optional or are sort of pre-specified for you, but may have other options that would be interesting to explore. Absolutely. And check out everything else in our week. We always have something for everybody, I always say. And of course, this, this service cannot continue on without your contributions from all of you listening. So definitely fill out a simple poll request. If you see a great resource uh, online and you'd like to share in our next issue, we will be glad to review and merge that in. And also never miss an episode here. Definitely subscribe to our feed. Um, we're at ourweekly.org. There's a annual podcast link at the top and we should be available in all the most, if not all the major uh, podcast providers, just do a search for us and you'll typically find us there. And especially um, keep in touch with your uh, trusted co-hosts here. So Mike, where can people find you when you're, when they're uh, searching for what you're up to? You can find me on Twitter, Mike underscore Ketchbrook, K-E-T-C-H-B-R-O-O-K. Awesome sauce. I am at the Rcast. I've um, got lots of stuff going on in the short term with that uh, workshop development, which maybe I'll be back to streaming about at some point. Um, but I'm really excited to lead that out. So I'll probably be promoting that a bit more. And um, yeah, give me a shout if you have any feedback on our weekly highlights or anything else you'd like to talk about. I never, never get tired of talking about fun art content with all of you. That'll do it for episode 80 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. And we will be back with another edition next week.